0: Hey Andy, how you doing?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, fine. F- fine, Tom, yeah.
0: Welcome, welcome to Australia.
1: Yep. Sur- surprised, surprised to see you, uh... Yeah. Alive.
0: Well, you did try and kill me off in episode 200, obviously. Yep, yep. Fake, Yeah, but fake, no, no, fake welcome. News. Welcome yep. to Australia. Apart from, it, did you come here by boat?
1: Uh, no, not this time. Good,
0: okay, because if you came here by boat, you're very f- not welcome. <laughs> in fact, have this one-way ticket to a tropical hellhole. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yes, welcome, welcome. So yeah, how's it going? Hey, how's, how's David Cameron going?
1: Uh, Cameron, I, I've heard he's fine. I've heard good, he's, good. Yeah.
0: Um, Barack Obama, how's that all going? Uh,
1: but, uh, he, uh, um, yes, he's, he's he's he's. Where where, the, where have you been?
0: Oh uh, look, well we we'll just asked John. Hey John, how you doing?
1: Oh now there's some news I've got to explain. <laughs> John, I've, I've, I've really got to explain this. I
0: what think, what I think, have you done? What uh, have you uh, done to John? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least Chris, you're gonna have a busy job. Chris. You haven't fired him as well.
1: <laughs> no, I've just moved Hemisphere temporarily. All right, let's get on with it. Shall we start the show? <laughs> the Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4023 of the Bugle audio newspaper for this remorselessly visual world, the long-dead audio canary for today's non-existent political coal mine. I am Andy Zaltzman, and I'm reporting to you live from one of the world's lesser-known hemispheres, the Southern Hemisphere, uh, from Australia, in fact, in the glorious city of Melbourne, which is, in fact, only slightly older than this podcast. And joining me... (laughs) for this truly historic bugle, marking yet another step forward in the history of broadcasting. I have not one, not two, not three... But two co did I say two already? Yeah, it's two, two guest co hosts, both on Bugle debut. Some say that's bad selection. I say if you're good enough, you're old enough. Get them all. <laughs> Firstly, and let's play spot the one biographical lie in the introduction from Australia, it is comedian, radio host, TV political discussion show anchor, and former stunt double stand in for the character of Theodore in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie franchise.
2: Tom Ballard, wow. Southern Hemisphere for Life. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Welcome, uh, welcome. Welcome Thank you so Google. much. Pleasure to be here on the podcast that was described the other night when you were being introduced as the highest selling podcast in the world. <laughs> yes, really. Sales are through the roof. We yes, must be in for
1: a big windfall after this. Though. Huge. Yeah, it was. That was news to everyone. But that is a lie. <laughs> I'm prepared to let let spread, <laughs> let its tentacles take root, and from Ireland. See if you can get the line this one too. It is comedian, keyboard waggler, author, professional penguin aficionado and winner of the UN Golden Brake Pedal Award for Road Safety Development for his invention of the holographic roadkill ghost. It is David O'Doherty. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's true, I can't play the keyboard. <laughs> it's great to be here. Thank you very much, Andy. It's At long last, you've asked me.
1: It's great to have you on. Well, we go back a very long way. We were just discussing before pressing the play and record button simultaneously, as I believe Tom does here. We did a, a new act competition 18 years
3: ago. Uh, so in 1999, yeah, that, with uh, Jimmy Carr, yeah. who is now... He's, he's a gas fitter, isn't he? Yeah, I, I believe so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think, in fact, him and John Oller have gone into business together fitting fitting gas.
3: I'm just delighted you've got me, finally, a straight white man <laughs> yeah. on the podcast.
1: <laughs> well, yes. I mean, this is... You are the yeah the first uh, since John Oliver to uh, to first straight white man.
3: I mean, it's just it's a perspective that's often overlooked. You know, a lot of the time, I want to know what do straight white men think about this. Yeah, but historic- only there was a newspaper or something. Yeah,
1: with a great silenced minority. <laughs> when will we have our say? in The way the world works. You both discuss me. <laughs> <laughs> you, Tom, are an abomination.
3: <laughs>
1: <of the other laughs> God, it's good to be here. <laughs> um, also, joining us, uh, as you may have heard in that introduction, in a development that may intrigue long term buglers, uh, is a man reports of whose death it transpired were greatly exaggerated. And by exaggerated, I mean obviously made up. Back from the audio dead, twiddling the buttons and blooping the bleeps once more, all the way from the first three years of the bugle with <laughs> ex bugle producer, Tom. Hello, Tom.
0: Hello. Uh, majority of your new listeners won't know who the hell no. I am and wish this indulgent bullshit would end soon. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Was he transported to Australia for mistakes he made on the early
0: bugle? <laughs> David listened very closely, yes. <laughs>
3: um, so this is
1: the bugle for the week beginning Monday, the 10th of April. Uh, producer Tom, not the only blast from the past, because on this day, the 10th of April, 1815, the largest volcanic eruption in recorded history my least favourite type of history, incidentally. Uh, Mount Tambora, the great big boom-bam-blasting bad boy, the Indonesian mega-magmatic monster mountain, quite literally blew its top and sent 160 cubic kilometres of volcano vomit pyrocluster splurting into the skies. That is the equivalent, on the modern volume scale, of 2.8 Donald Trump egos, (laughs) and an eruptive power equivalent to the tantrums of 375 small children being simultaneously denied an ice cream, Uh, led to a period of global climate change that provoked the, a, a, a worldwide famine, uh, the worst worldwide famine of the 19th century. Um, and in 1816, the following year was known as the Year Without a Summer because the uh, clim- uh, climatic impact of the eruption. Now, imagine, imagine if it happened now. God, then no, no cricket, <laughs> No cricket for a year. I mean, that puts everything in perspective, doesn't
3: it? Well, they'd have to do because the grass wouldn't be growing. They'd have to use those astro creases, you know, yeah. which would play against the spinner, wouldn't it? Right. Mm difficult And yeah. can i ask what was the best famine of the 19th century <laughs> the, the was,
1: best as, yeah. a, as opposed to the worst yes uh, oh, i are. don't know i mean i mean to be honest uh, as a as a uh, as a brit yeah we were quite good at making famines work well for us commercially
2: <laughs> you know as, something about that david
1: <laughs> as, as the people of ireland and india would no doubt testify <laughs> um, so i mean we, we had some cracking famines Two ones, yeah, yeah. Absolutely cracking famines. Uh, today, as we recall, the 7th of April, uh, it's uh, World Health Day and also in the USA, National Beer Day. So when people say there are not enough days in the year, that is exactly what they mean. <laughs> and it's those two days having to share the same date. And in fact, for this week's section in the bin, uh, we are commemorating US National Beer Day by launching the official Bugle Audio Beer. Bugle beer is a handcrafted, manually bottled beer, each hop lovingly sung to by a trained lounge singer to soothe it before being plucked voluntarily from the vine, then hand-brewed by hand in an artisanal hand microvatlet, made of fair trade ethically, using vegan gluten-free water, multi-denominational priest-blessed barley and free-range yeast with an equal representation of male and female yeasts. The recycled sugar is allowed to ferment whatever f- It chooses. Then the finished beer is wirelessly linked up to a starving African teenage boy so that every sip you take gets him drunk as well as you. (laughs) Free Bugle beer in the bin this week.
2: Top story this week, Andy, Australia exists. Yep. <laughs> now, I'm not sure I'm not sure if it's gonna to relate to the UK and US audiences like Australian politics, I'm not sure if there's gonna be much crossover there. But like right. in Australia where ruled over by rich white neoconservatives who are slaves to corporate interests, we have an opposition party that's lurched to the right been plagued with leadership instability, the Murdoch Media Empire has conquered and poisoned public debate, we have a whiny and ineffective progressive movement, and our deep seated xenophobia has manifested itself in the rise of right wing populism and the cruel and racist demonization of refugees.
1: Right. <laughs> okay. So uh, your bills? Well, no, there's only one thing I can say to that, and that is this. Lenin alert! Lenin alert! <laughs> attention, copy! Attention, copy! Lenin alert! The Bolsheviks are at the gate. Hey, <laughs> attention, copy! Attention, copy! Lenin alert! The Bolsheviks
2: are right. at the gate. Lenin Don't bring alert. that lefty shit here, mate. No. <laughs> Don't bring Lenin that audio alert. shit here. Oh. We love the prime minister in uh, Australia. We've had uh, we've churned through. Five in the past ten years. Yes. When I was last
1: here, 2007, yep. uh, well, when I last did the full festival, I think Kevin Rudd had just taken over yep. from John Howard. Yes. And he got into power really running an extremely strong I Am Not John Howard <laughs> campaign. <laughs> so
2: he's top qualification. Then,
1: then he was ousted by Julia Gillard, yep. who really played the I Am Not Kevin Rudd card pretty damn hard. Yeah, really good. Then Rudd counter-ousted Gillard saying, I'm not Julia Gillard, Yes. then... Unfortunately, he was Kevin Rudd, though. Uh, he was Kevin Rudd, and yeah. this is what was then exploited by Tony Abbott, who right. said, I'm neither Gillard nor Rudd. Yes. <laughs> and now we have Malcolm Turnbull, who's basically got him by saying, I am just absolutely anyone who is prepared to do this <laughs> f-ing job when I mean, is that? It's a
2: dance as old as democracy itself. Like, have I basically summarised? That's ask? pretty much it. Yes, you should right. write a book about that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, well, Tony Abbott uh, um, was too right wing. You see, far too, far too, far to the right. Too right wing. So for Australia, yeah, for Australia, yeah. Wow. So we fortunately replaced him with a millionaire. <laughs> who likes locking up refugees and giving tax cuts to corporations. Thank God, for the sensible centre. One of the outrageous lies of Australian politics is that the Conservative Party
3: are called the Liberal Party here. Yes. It's very confusing. And then the ultra-Conservative Party here are the Conservative Party.
2: Well, there's now the Australian Conservatives, which was Corey Bernardi, who's you know, you know, like gay marriage will lead to bestiality level crazy. He <laughs> left the the Liberal Party because they were too right wing for him, and he set up the Australian Conservatives. Right. Two yes. left-wing, too left wing. Too left wing for him. Yes. wing. Too left wing. Yes. But that's. Uh- did he genuinely say that, that
1: gay marriage will lead to bestiality? Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> wow. Sent to the backbench. Not fired. Backbench, please. I right. mean, I don't know if you've been to Ireland in the last year, but there's a lot of livestock getting boned there <laughs> is all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, we've, we we legalised gay marriage and
1: Brexit
2: happened. Oh. Join the dots, people. Join the, It causes earthquakes, political ones. Uh, we love our racism here in Australia. Uh, we like, we I think we like the bare faced stuff. None of this casual covert stuff. Okay, out of the open. Little less dog whistling. Little more blackface on national television. Okay, that's <laughs> kind of the vibe we're going for. And I would, I would put our racism up there with the best in the world, David. The best. If there was a racism <laughs> Olympics, we wouldn't go. There'd be foreigners there. But you could tell we have a great time. Uh, a leading racist at the moment is a woman by the name of Pauline Hanson. God rest her soul. Sorry, she is our Nigel Farage, our Gert Wilders, our Donald Trump. Although, like any Australia adaptation of anything overseas, it's a bit shit. She is the Australia's Got Talent of politics. I think. No good. She has praised Vladimir Putin. She suggested vaccines cause autism. And last year, when she was giving her address to the Australian Senate and making her political comeback, she was in the Parliament of the nineties. She said simply, "I have two words for you." I'm back, but not alone. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got one word for that quote. It is really stupid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned Putin. We should uh, point out from a a point, because I know a lot of you listeners use the Bugle as a a historical record as much as anything else. Uh, As we record, the US has just launched missile attacks on Syria in response to the Assad regime's use of chemical weapons. That is Syria in the Middle East and that is the same Assad, whose principal ally is Vladimir Putin and Russia, but don't worry, buglers, it will all be fine. What could possibly go wrong with that? And it'll all be fine because we've put some music on to suggest that it will all be fine. (laughs) And because we are currently physically in Australia, which is A, the world's ninth happiest nation, and B, miles from anywhere.
3: So, (laughs) there we go. I've got some Australian politics facts. Go on, then. Australian politics fact one. If they, if one party doesn't get an overall majority in the Australian elections, they form a coalition. <laughs> very
1: good, <laughs> v- very good. I like that, David. I mean that 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 does fit into the
3: the overall ethos of this show, you know, <laughs> which is uh, terrible puns masquerading as satire. Shh.
1: Yep. Yeah. My view of Australian politics. Having I mean, got here uh, last week, there's a hell of a lot of abuse in Parliament. Yes. The abuse in in British Parliament tends to be slightly camouflaged (laughs) under vaguely parliamentary language. Mm. In Australia, they pretty much just call each other... (laughs) To each other's
2: <laughs> well, yes, I think the uh, Green senator uh, got up uh, the other day and was talking about uh, when he was a lecturer talking to his students about the state of the Great Barrier Reef and what was going to happen to it and him and the, and the uh, students collectively cried and the Conservative side of the Parliament burst out laughing <laughs> and one got up and genuinely offered him a hanky. <laughs> So that's good, you know, some good schoolyard bullying's All going right. on. Uh, Mark Latham, the former Labor leader who was very close to beating John Howard in, in the election, could have been our prime minister, has recently been fired in disgrace from the Sky News uh, channel for calling a student who released a video promoting feminism for International Women's Day as gay. Oh man! Jade <laughs> oh, <my laughs> said, "I thought he was gay." Right. Normally, Perfect. if you're like a bully as an adult. The age of your victims grows up with you too, but he seems to just keep focusing on the high school level of the abuse, which is extraordinary.
3: So what is happening with marriage equality in this country? There is going to be a
2: referendum. There is
3: going to be... Uh, Is it uh, it a referendum?
2: No, there was a plebiscite, which was going to be like a a nationwide opinion poll, but that got voted down because the gays uh, didn't like it either because they thought that the publicly funded campaign talking about how horrible everything was would be damaging and they could just do it any time they like and have a free vote in Parliament. Right. It is extraordinary. The Prime Minister, the Leader of the Opposition and the Australian people all support marriage equality, but we still can't do it. That's democracy, (laughs) baby! (laughs) It's quite an odd
1: battleground to still be... I mean, when you've been beaten... By Britain to legalize it, and <laughs> and by Islanders. <laughs> I mean, legalizing. that is the
3: real miracle yeah. that we, the most monocultural country in the world ever, the only country in the world where parsley was regarded as a spice <laughs> until recently, <laughs> managed to pull it off. That should be the inspiration everyone else needs. That's, I mean, particularly as this is a country
1: so large that if anyone had a, a you know a real genuine massive objection to gay marriage, they could quite easily. Just move to somewhere a minimum of 200 miles away from the nearest possible gay. <laughs> so you'd have thought
2: this. Ca- Australia should have been leading the way, Tom. Thanks for uh, mentioning my show title, Nearest Possible Gay. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Tickets on sale now, coming to Edinburgh 2017. I mean, you say that, but Australia
3: is also full because I've been watching some of the anti-refugee stuff mm-hmm. so that would be the difficulty of moving because it is rampant <laughs> yeah. you take yeah. a train out into the airbag now it's just lines of people yeah. crushed together in fields but it's six, like, there are
1: like six refugees in multiply. the studio right now
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like Bangladesh
3: multiplied by itself <laughs>
2: There's been a lot of talk about uh, like corporations getting on board the marriage equality movement from Qantas and these CEOs coming out in, in support of it. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do for their profits. <laughs> Shareholders? More like careholders. <laughs> and Airbnb recently announced they'll be selling specially crafted acceptance rings in support of the cause. So the ring forms an incomplete circle. There's a little gap representing the gap that's currently in our marriage laws, and the words, until we all belong, are engraved on the interior, which, if you ask me, sounds f***ing gay. <laughs> And there was this anti-same-sex marriage campaigner, Sophie York, she went on television, she was concerned about the rings, David, you see, because (laughs) she was worried that people might feel pressured into buying them if employees started selling them at work, but also it could be an OH&S issue. I mean, the gap could catch, that ring could catch on things, we need to think about the impact on the worker. Good thinking, Sophie York! It's easy to imagine a scenario where one of those poof rings could seriously endanger someone's life, whether they're a plumber fixing a tap or a proctologist conducting a rectal examination. Although I'm sure the gay lobby would bloody love that, wouldn't they? Sick weirdos. I say all rings should be closed so that no one gets caught on pesky equality. Also, black civil rights campaigner, stop sitting up the front of the bus. You are distracting the driver. <laughs> I think if Airbnb was serious, they'd release a you know limited edition cock ring. I think that was... Would... <laughs> Can we family show? Sorry, maybe Andy. that could be the next the next bit of bugle merchandise.
3: <laughs> it's great that Airbnb have a social conscience, considering they're based in Dublin, so they pay zero tax anywhere because of tax. a dodgy deal they've done with the Irish government. So
2: everyone's oh banging God. on about Ireland because you know the company tax cuts just got through last last week here, and they're like, look at what's happened with Ireland. They lowered their company tax rate, and now everybody's there. But then they don't even pay tax to you guys, do
3: they? No, the um, Apple own, I believe, uh, owe eighteen billion Whoa. to the Irish government, or it, the EU has ruled against Apple owing this quantity. But the money is stateless; it doesn't exist. It just sort of sits in a a drone that's holding it somewhere over the mid Atlantic. <laughs> uh, so we're never going to get to see it. Uh, but we are the absolute patsies for. I think we are just really impressed when Americans say they want to come to Ireland and open a company there. We'll like, ah, don't worry about tax. We'll <laughs> get, you, get you back a few years. Uh,
1: there's some controversies I was reading about um, about Australia's offshore detention uh, regime, which could harm uh, its bid for a seat on the UN Human Rights Council, uh, currently populated by such notorious bastions of human rights as Egypt, China and Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Which is, that's kind of like putting Tom Brady on the World Anti American Football Council <laughs> or Hannibal Lecter as chair of the International Foundation for the Compulsorization of Ethical Veganism. <laughs> um, N- Nauru seems to be a bit of a national embarrassment. Don't want to talk about it. Okay. Don't know right. what you mean. All right. Fine. So,
3: Nauru is the island where you're made to stay. Is that right? If you seek refugee status in Australia?
2: Yes, you've got Nauru, you've got Manus Island in Papua New Guinea as well. Pop you on there for up to three years. <laughs> Right. chill out have a th- have a little think about it relax think about, what you've done. think about what you've
3: done watch the australian bachelor on a loop and see if you like the look of any of these sweet hotties yeah
2: want to go home now don't you kids <laughs> um actually i've we talked about Great Barrier reef before what's exciting is that by um 2022 that's just going to be a reef and then by 2029 all going to plan that will actually become a prison for refugee fish <laughs> so you know we're spreading it out we're diversifying it's good times. Right. David, you have spent over a year of your life in
3: Australia. I guess Uh, I've toured here so many times, it it adds up to that. Um, So what's your... Your, your, your take on it? I think, Andy, there's one thing Australia loves. It's a really cheap reality TV format. Right. Every time you put on the TV here, people are crying as they pull a car tire up a hill or because <laughs> their macaroons haven't macarooned or just middle-aged men crushing the singing dreams of weeping children. <laughs> but the one that we get at home uh, in Ireland and in the UK is Border Security. Which I think it might be called "Nothing to Declare" here, where uh, hapless tourists fail to realize you're not allowed to bring jars of mayonnaise with uh, <laughs> rats living in them into Australia. Whatever, it's one of those. I think it's one of those. I think the reason those shows are so successful, it's like America's Dumbest Criminals. It. It's kind of right way. It's it's the government saying we've got this. Everything is under control. But for they're always filming it when you arrive into Melbourne Airport, and I've just wanted to get on it right. for a long time, you know. And I didn't really have a tactic initially. I'd just pretend to be a bit sarsy, you know, with the slightly sarsy cough, <laughs> and then I'd bring in you know plastic bags just full of blood, or whatever. But they would never get me. But this time. I wasn't really thinking about it, but there they are. There's the sniffer dogs and the cameras. And I had my headphones on off the 21-hour flight. And so I play a small novelty keyboard uh, on stage. I'm not afraid to admit that on the Bugle. <laughs> All right, Mozart, don't flash it about, mate. <laughs> and it had taken a, a bit of a... a a beat at some point on the on the flight, and as it arrived in the carousel, uh, my bag was playing Billy Joel's "Don't Go Changing" <laughs> <laughs> really loud, and the dogs rushed over. And the dogs weren't trained to deal with this scenario, but right. because I was listening to possibly this podcast with you and Nish Kumar, I didn't notice. So I wheeled it through the airport. And the men stopped me and then went through it, but they didn't. The the TV cameras weren't there, so once again, failed to get on. Nothing to declare.
1: So what I mean, what because yeah, as you said, they're they're very militant about you know bringing in you know fruit products, Uh, but I mean
3: insects. They're they're very scared of uh, tiny insects causing biblical plagues. Not not late seventies, early
1: eighties American. American pop music.
3: Joel, I think so. I think we didn't start the fire, right? They might, which is a more adjective song, right. You know what I mean? They, they'd be worried in a
1: nation that suffers terribly with with the bushfire issue. That I mean, that is a song that has to be stamped on. <laughs> it's, Why aren't
2: you playing Men at Work? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Other news now. It's war. The big one. The one we neutrals have been waiting for since 1588. When was the Armada? Britain versus Spain. It's Pi versus Paella. Bill Bow versus Bill Wyman. Rafael Nadal versus Roald Dahl.
2: Hans Labyrinth
3: versus Labyrinth with David Bowie in it. Just one week on since Theresa May triggered Article 50, Britain has gone full 1588. As former Tory leader Michael Howard suggested that Britain and Spain could go to war over the failure of anyone to think about what would happen to tiny British controlled protectorate Gibraltar after Brexit. This is, despite the fact that Spain has not raised any issues to date, (laughs) still it's like, this is going to happen. Come on. It seems like what the hell would happen to Gibraltar is another one of the things that they forgot to think through before offering the simple binary choice to (laughs) British voters. That list now includes what will happen to Scotland and the future of Great Britain itself, what will happen to the delicate peace in Northern Ireland, what will happen to at least three quarters of the jobs in the UK. So we've only got about another half hour left in the studio. So if you could just, just cut the list down a bit. Well, the one question that has been answered in the last week is what does Michael Caine think? <laughs> uh, yes, we know, finally, the man who played Scrooge in The Muppet Christmas Carol, what he thinks of Brexit, and he bloody loves it. He said, I'd rather be a poor master than a rich servant.
2: And Do the voice, though.
3: The, I'd, I'd rather be a poor master... <laughs> than a rich servant <laughs> is, is the quote and the son the genius of the son was they conflated his comments with the Gibraltar situation to create yesterday's as we record this very powerful headline which is we only want to blow the bloody seniors off <laughs> Okay, sorry. We only want to blow the bloody... Can you say... We only (laughs) want
2: to to blow the bloody bloody seniors seniors off.
3: (laughs) Which, to listeners uh, who may not be as familiar with the works of Cain, that's a pun on a Michael Cain quote from the 1969 movie The Italian Job, where he says, you were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. (laughs) The beauty of, we only want to blow the bloody seniors off, Is the fact that the sun, in my mind, is trying to heal the rift between Britain and the rest of Europe by offering, well, seigneurs, because they don't have, is it a tilde? You know, the curvy line over the O. So seigneurs in this situation means pensioners, (laughs) as opposed to the usual use of seigneur. So what the sun is offering is to give blowies. (laughs) To, we only want to blow the bloody senoras off. David. So maybe it's, if you have a copy of it, you can bring it to oh, the... That just shows how the old vote dominates politics
1: now. <laughs> always giving in to the demands of the, of the pensioners. <laughs> Basically, Gibraltar is essentially 50% of our empire now, <laughs> um, which has <laughs> shrunk over the years, I will, I will give you that. Uh, I mean, if you take Gibraltar away, we'll have only the Falklands... Left, essentially, uh, unless you count Canada and Scotland. Is is Canada... Oh, I forget, anyway. (laughs) Um, I did think, David, how an Anglo-Spanish war would pan out. Mm -hmm. And essentially, we'd basically get the ferry from Portsmouth to Bilbao, then stop for a nice long lunch uh, (laughs) in a seaside town along the coast before thinking about making a leisurely way south towards Madrid, then maybe stay for a few nights in the Picos de Europa Mountains. Beautiful scenery, so relaxing. A couple of long walks, some outstanding cheese and ham. Maybe make it as far as the beautiful medieval city of Leon, where you'd inevitably stuff your face with high-grade snacks while getting gently sozzled on beer and architecture before you just call the invasion off. So I think it's not going to be quite the global conflagration people fear.
0: As one of the only British people in this production... Uh, Since you love Spanish ham so much, which side are you on, Andy? Uh, Don't make me choose.
2: (laughs) I think it's ironic that Spain is so desperate for the UK to share a small slice of something. Now they know how we feel when we go to tapas.
3: (laughs) The the people of Gibraltar have hastily set up a fake lobby organisation called Defenders of Gibraltar. And that is entirely unremarkable, except for the spokesperson they keep putting out to do interviews. And she is the incredibly aptly named... Anne Marie Struggles, <laughs> which, in terms of other hapless Brexit negotiators, her name is up there with my all time favorite, who's the current Northern Ireland secretary, who's trying to negotiate that very delicate situation they have there. And his name is James Brokenshire, <laughs> which is the most perfect name since our old friend from the world of football, Tokyo Sex Whale. <laughs> Everything goes back to Tokyo Sex Whale. <laughs>
2: Advertising news now. And this week, a new ad for Pepsi featuring reality lady and full-time person Kendall Jenner (laughs) landed the company in some hot water. Incidentally, hot water, still better than Pepsi. (laughs) The commercial features Jenner having a sexy, famous photo shoot on the street and is then inspired to join a passing protest, like a march. It's very unclear what exactly the march is protesting as the signs (laughs) display love hearts, the peace symbol, and the phrase, join the conversation. (laughs) Very odd. Let's just assume they're protesting PepsiCo's environmentally destructive water practices in the developing world. <laughs> Random! <laughs> Jenna grabs a refreshing can of Pepsi to help her wash down all this delicious social justice, laughs and smiles at the super cool and super diverse protesters, and eventually offers a can to a member of the stern-looking police watching over the march. The cop tastes a sip and smiles refreshed, and everyone cheers. <laughs> Thanks, capitalism. You've done it again! <laughs> I want to see more multinational companies getting involved with this and sort of... Of marketing political activism. Planning on chaining yourself to a tree? Choose tree chain. Tree chain. <laughs> Making chaining a treat. The people united will never be defeated. And if you want to defeat those nasty stains, buy whitewash. Whitewash. Mmm, white. Hey, hey, <laughs> ho, ho, this excess stock has got to go. <laughs> At, I've got 16 more. Okay. At Johnny's Big Buster Bargains, no one shall overcome these crazy prices. <laughs> They're taking a fair rap, Pepsi
3: Corp. But I just hope in all of that, people don't forget the numerous other uses of Pepsi. You yep. know, you don't just have to drink it. It also removes rust from old spanners. That's true. <laughs> Soakamenum <come laughs> over. It cleans coins. It's an insect killer. If you have ants and you just pour Pepsi down, though, it Is removes... Is that so. Yeah. Yeah. Have well, you tested that out? In as much as pouring water will do it as well. Right. Pouring Pepsi down, well, I mean, they'll uh, rot their teeth for one thing. But uh, <laughs> it also, and this could be the most important use for it in Trumpy's America, uh, Pepsi uh, removes blood from carpets and clothing. If you rub it on it before you put it in the washing machine, that, there's, right. a, there's a practical use. There speaks a man who's cleaned up a thousand crime scenes.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> You do have bodies. How did you somewhere. know that? <laughs> <laughs> After testing all the products on the market, I found that Pepsi is the most effective. It was uh, my mother. My mother.
3: You, you can also, if you get chewing gum stuck in your hair, which I find happens increasingly less as I get older. Right. You why? Can, why is that? Because uh, in school, people used to put. Oh my goodness! Happy right. this has come up now. <laughs> I'm a first bugle. <laughs> oh no! Uh, yeah, Pepsi's another. That's another great use for it. Right. I like when Kendall in the ad, she, there's the point where she realises she has a social conscience mm. as the the uh, the march passes by and with the back of one hand she wipes off her lipstick and underneath <laughs> she has other lipstick, which is how many layers of lipstick is is Kendall packing on any given day? Right. That's one of the unanswerable questions
1: of history, isn't it? Yeah.
3: You get it off with uh, Pepsi,
1: though, if she's looking to right. remove it. Uh, yeah, once yeah. and for all. Well, if it can remove blood, then presumably it could remove most household lipsticks. I mean, you—you are the Bugles' resident uh, stain, stain and, remover, uh, <laughs> stain removal expert. Um, <laughs> it wasn't the most realistic protest in this advert. Um, I mean, if for realism, they should have had pro Pepsi organisers claiming a turnout of six point three million. Whilst <laughs> the police estimated the crowd at between thirty-five and forty-eight, um, and there should have been anti Pepsi complainers saying why don't these soft drink snowflakes just vote the other colas out at the ballot box if they don't like them So <laughs> let's have some realism in our bullshit protest adverts Pepsi issued a statement saying they were trying to project a global message of unity peace and understanding, clearly we missed the mark and we apologise, I mean I'm not comfortable with it these words, for a start unity, peace and understanding are yesterday's breakfast frankly, <laughs> listen, listen to the votes of the people you're an American company America wants division, conflict, and intolerance. So get that in your f-ing
2: advert next time. <laughs> Surely Pepsi is responsible for the greatest division of the question of Coke or Pepsi, yeah. driving people apart in every restaurant across the world.
1: Nassau <laughs> said they shouldn't have had a celebrity face tied to it if they wanted to try and send a strong message like this. <laughs> no, they shouldn't. They could have just, you know, donated one year's worth of their $6 billion profits. To something that might say equality for all rather more strongly than a celebrity who gets four hundred grand for taking a shit in the right brand of toilet on Instagram, <laughs> trying to spread dental problems to the riot police, they could have given ten thousand dollars to every single homeless person in the USA clean water for twenty million children uh, with their six billion dollar profits they want to create equal or on his current estimated weekly wage they could have bought Cristiano Ronaldo from Real Madrid and chained him to a radiator for three hundred and eight years. Now, I don't know how that would foster unity, peace, and understanding, but it would
3: sure as f*** get people talking. (laughs) Um, Can I just uh, raise one point there, which is, so the world could be ending before this... Bugle is uploaded.
1: Yeah, you don't get paid if there's Armageddon before, uh, so. before it's actually
2: goes out. <laughs> I should out. have read that contract.
3: <laughs> so no one may ever hear this this bugle. Then has this yeah. ever happened before, where there's a, a possibility of the world ending during a bugle record?
1: Um, God, I'm not not sure. So tr- his-
0: 2011 ashes you weren't paying much attention Andy uh, it was
1: 2009 mate that uh, was the 2009 2009- <laughs>
3: ashes so the world was going to end if England didn't beat Australia in the cricket well, is it that was, a similar it could feel that way you're comparing yeah. that to the impending Russia American war yes mm. yeah well, that's good yeah Trumpy's really but the cat among the pigeons there <laughs> like having Wiley Coyote in charge of CERN
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is an image I hope I never, I never forget. I will try and think of that every morning when I wake up. Now, in some ways, that makes it slightly more reassuring. <laughs> He's very good at painting. Uh, also, in Kendall De- Jenner's defence, a lot of the world's leading protest movements began with a desire for uh, soft drinks. Um, the Russian Revolution, uh, largely about Leninade. Uh, <laughs> oh no!
2: And,
1: um, fact, I never thought I'd be in the same room as one of these. Moses, <laughs> Moses, don't worry, it's not the fault. You're not getting the full. You're not getting the full gambit. Uh, Moses' his protest against uh, the Egyptians, um, pretty much all about Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh. Boom.
0: Thin ice, Zaltzman.
1: I'm allowed to say that. If Tom's allowed to do the gay stuff, I'm allowed to do the dude. <laughs> so You're
0: he's... in my employer's studio. You'll do as a, I say. He's a bit
1: less lapsed than I am, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the trumpet section now. And, uh, well, uh, yeah, it does appear that we are basically on the precipice of uh, of Global Armageddon. It's very hard to not be... Unbelievably pessimistic about the entire future of the planet uh, when you look at anything that happens in Syria at the moment. Slightly extraordinary reaction by President Trump to the uh, horrors that have unfolded, saying that it had changed his mind about Syria and Assad and that lines, lines had been crossed, which is a bit like Captain Scott getting to basically the penultimate day of his polar expedition thinking... Might be time to put a scarf on.
3: <laughs> it's very tricky, really. At this point, holy cow. If it didn't, you know, at this point, I feel if the world did explode, it's so. Be like, you know, in Star Wars when Princess Leia sees her home planet destroyed, she's
2: a bit sad, but part of her is also like, yeah, there's a lot of arseholes there. You know <laughs> what I mean? They had it coming. I think that it is Trump's rhetoric that will get us through these troubling times. Asked if a sad. Wow, that, that is a sentence that has never been said before. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. <clears throat> Asked if Assad should step down. Mr. Trump said, he's there, and I guess he's running things, so something should happen. <laughs> Which doesn't fill you with... Co- I say to you, my fellow Americans, <laughs> in these troubling times, something should happen. <laughs> I'll get back to you on the specific details, but seriously, we've got to get moving on this in some kind of fashion. I'm not taking any questions, but, you know, just good luck with the whole thing. <laughs> something should happen andy
1: yes well he has slightly changed his view on on syria it would appear from uh previous times when he was donald trump the man who would obviously never be
3: president of america yep. to the man who is actually president his old take of was america. it's too far
2: away let's just not get involved that particular take yes of his. essentially yeah i think assad mentioned that trump didn't win the popular vote and now he's just had enough further <laughs> <vote. laughs> but roof.
1: If, if this latest atrocity has changed your view of assad then either you have been basically avoiding world news for the last six years, saving up for a massive catch-up news binge on television when you get a weekend (laughs) off work Strap in, it's going to get funky, or you're mixing Bashar al-Assad up with the former world snooker champion Terry Griffiths. Oh, snooker. (laughs) This is it. But you might think, oh, I can't believe Terry Griffiths has done this terrible thing. He always seemed like quite a nice, avuncular Welshman. But now this... How could the former world number three and eleven time crucible quarter <laughs> finalist have behaved in such a horrible manner? That is that's but well, Essentially the leader of the free world is a cranky goldfish. That that is not reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> we ask for God's wisdom, said Trump, as we face the challenge of our troubled world. <laughs> yes. Well I mean, I think God it would seem he's not been dispensing much of his wisdom over the last well, well over 2,000 years from a Jewish perspective. It, I think, essentially, he probably invented the PlayStation in about 100 BC and <laughs> since then has been locked in a shed playing Thragmar the Destroyer 3, Turnips of the Never Dead. <laughs> Sport now and, well, golf is happening in uh, Augusta, the Augusta Masters. Tom, don't, you can check out for this bit. If you, I mean... Uh, <laughs>
3: You know? I mean, he's right. There is. There's always been sinister undertones to golf. You know, even going right back, Hitler had his underground bunker yeah. where he would practice his splash wedge shots <laughs> during the war, try and get that little bit of backspin in there. It's the first major of the year, yeah, Andy. So the favourite uh, fell downstairs, slipped in socks, damaged his back. Yeah, oh. Dustin Johnson won't be playing. That is a
1: disappointing sporting injury. <laughs> fall down some stairs.
3: The non-golfing uh, buglers may know the Masters. It's the one where if you win, you get a green jacket. They put a green yep. jacket on you. But this is the first year that the Masters is sponsored by the upmarket paint brand Farrow and Ball. So the green jacket has been renamed <laughs> the Gangrene Dreams jacket. <laughs> Similarly, that was, another, that was another band I was in. Gangrene Dreams. <laughs> in this July's Tour de France. uh, Baron Ball also sponsoring it. The yellow jersey will be known as the Custard Regrets jersey. (laughs) I admire the level of bullshit you brought to this podcast, David.
1: (laughs) You are fitted in seamlessly. Here's a fact about Augusta. uh, You know, the uh, 11th, 12th, 13th hole, known as Amen Corner, do you know what the origin of the name Amen Corner is? I don't know the origin. It's named after uh, the list of people who were allowed to be members of the Augusta National, A men, <laughs> uh, and sadly the other part of the course, following redevelopment in the 1970s, the uh, I think whole six, seven, and eight uh, part of the course, formerly known as B whites, uh, is no longer, <laughs> no longer there. <laughs> um, the Masters has a proud history of leading golfers pulling out for odd reasons. Kirk Triplett, genuine name. That, that is, is, is that that, gen- is, that is a genuine golfer's name. It's up there with Tokyo Sexwell, Well, nearly. Up Fred with, Funk
3: was my favourite golfer. In the
1: next paragraph, don't worry. Sorry, Matt. Um, uh, Kirk Triplett missed the O seven Masters after putting Augusta in his uh, sat nav and ending up 8,000 kilometres off course in Italy at the tomb of the first century martyr, St Augusta of Treviso. <laughs> Fred Funk missed the 84 masters after rupturing his clerciary lumbar dorset muscle attempting to live up to his name with some deep funk dance moves on the first tee to get the crowd on side. <laughs> Whilst Plock Plok Third missed the 1975 masters after landing the role of Nebuchadnezzar, in the hit high-budget, medium-core pornographic stage musical Babes of Babylon, whilst Leonid Brezhnev pulled out of the 1968 tournament due to being leader of the Soviet Union. (laughs) Further back, uh, Chicago gangster Luigi the Claw Mortadelli uh, was chased off the 12th tee in 1952 by FBI agents after kidnapping three-time champion Jimmy DeMarit and playing in his place. Golf-obsessed Mortadelli, renowned for his roles in the glampy toucan murder and the 1947 Klerpike Vegetable Market robbery, which saw the abduction of over 400 pumpkins and a metric ton of carrots had always dreamed of playing major championship golf but after posing as Demaret in the opening round suspicions were aroused when he carded a 42 over par front nine before his caddy fired a machine gun into the air on the 10th tee and stole uh, playing partner Ben Hogan's pitching wedge See Uh, what I mean? Golf is boring (laughs) Yeah. And uh, back in 38 early in the Masters history America's Hercock Fertival uh, withdrew (laughs) on the morning of the final round after getting his hand stuck in a tortoise Uh, Fertival, renowned for his slow play, putted a ball on the practice green into the tortoise, Jeanette, uh, then, of course, owned by the reigning champion Byron Nelson. The tortoise being the traditional prize for winning uh, the Masters back in those golf days, before the green jacket was introduced, they used to paint the champion's face on one of the scutes of the tortoise's shell. Fertival tried to retrieve his ball from Jeanette's neck hole, but got his uh, golf hand firmly stuck in the golf tortoise. And after attempting to tee off on the first with a fully grown adult tortoise on his uh, left hand, uh, whilst being abused in distinctly non Augusta compliant language by a weeping Nelson, uh, Ferdival pulled out. Jeanette famously was a founding tortoise of Augusta. She used to lay her eggs in a sand dune on the site of the famous course, and uh, local farmers in the 1880s would chip the eggs out of the sand with a mattock, and that's the orig- origin of the bunker shop. <laughs> I'm dumb. It's been a lot. I've, I've, that's what was the hang on? Well, well, uh, uh,
3: Kim Jong Un's father. Yeah. What was his Trump- Kim Jong Il? Yeah, do you remember his, go- his go- under par, I golf his amazing golf. Golf statistics. He Whoa. got all holes in one once. Yeah. Yeah, pity he couldn't take on Trumpy cuz Trumpy is while well, his vibe has changed re Syria. Yeah. It's also changed re playing golf a lot as the president. <laughs> so if those two could could shoot it out then maybe the idea of uh North Korean uh bombs falling off the coast of China wouldn't be as frightening as it is to yeah. me.
1: A email now from the Your Emails section. Do keep, do keep them coming into Hello, Buglers at the Bugle from Simon Rogerson, who writes Dear Andy, Chris, and whoever. That's us. Um, hello. <laughs> hello, whoever's. Uh, Catherine of Valois was hot. Henry V knew it. Owen Tudor knew it. Shakespeare knew it. Samuel Pepys knew it. And I know it. She was born in 1401 to uh, encouraging stock. Her father was Charles VI of France, better known as Charles the Mad. Um, and in uh, 1421, Henry V of England invaded France so that he could rattle her. Um, and according to Shakespeare, she responds by unleashing a filthy speech that would get uh, Chris, or in this case, uh, Tom, the producer, bleeping away if he tried to broadcast it. Now, um, I-, I know you guys have listened to the, the show uh, a bit in the early days. We did Hotties for this. Oh, history, yeah, absolutely. And, um, Our proudest moment. It's uh, become a tradition for new Bugle guests. You have to share your your historical crushes. <laughs> As you come on the show. So, I mean, who, you know, from deep back in the annals of humanity, who would, uh, who gets your. uh, Well, going
3: right back to medieval times, um, when Christianity in Ireland hadn't really established, there was still half mixture of the old pagan religions and then the Christianity. A lot of uh, medieval churches would have directly over the entrance, a Sheila a gig which is a stone lady with her legs spread right apart, and what can only be described as huge flaps. <laughs> uh, which you al- said that beautifully. David. Always got me. Always got me a little bit I- interested. <laughs> anyway, what is this religion business all about? And then I found it was some old pagan codology. Right. Can I say huge flaps on the bugle? You just did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> Tom, um, it's got to be Adam for me. Going right back. Right back, yeah. Adam Scott, the uh, Australian golfer, one of the favourites for the Masters. No, enough
1: (laughs) golf. You cannot have a hottie from history who is alive. Oh, okay. That is a basic... I think you've got to be... Tom, can you remember the the rule? Because you were there in uh, the hotties from history days, of course. uh, I
0: believe I came up with it, but I'm not going to... Was it... uh, Really? (laughs) Yes. Uh,
1: Was it, I think, minimum 30 years dead, I think?
0: Yeah, it had to be far back, just in case there were any relatives who'd get in touch.
2: Yeah. So you're going with Adam. Well, I mean, I just hottie. think he was the first one. You know, God yeah. would have taken his time there. He always had that little leaf over his little right. so-and-so, it, yeah. which I think we all desperately wanted to see what was going on under there. You know, Right. Um, you know, don't be ashamed, Adam. There's literally no one to compare it to, so it's right. not like everyone's going to be like, that's small. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he had a USB port. Really? Yeah, Apple didn't want,
3: <laughs> oh,
1: ironically, right. Apple. That's probably where the title comes <laughs> from. Who's uh, your hiding from history, Andy? Ah, oh, that's too many to mention. Right. I can't. Uh, I can't. Uh,
0: Florence Nightingale. Florence
1: Nightingale was the real one that kicked it off. Oh, can't oh, sorry. Can I just focus while we finish this podcast? <laughs> Thank you very much for coming. It's been a delight having you both on. You are both doing shows at this wonderful uh, comedy festival. Would you like to plug them to our
2: our listeners, uh, Tom? Where? you are doing a couple of shows, aren't you? Uh, Yeah, I'm doing a show called Problematic. That's my stand-up show that's on most nights. And I'm doing one-off of my little uh, comedy lecture about Australia's treatment of refugees. Laugh a minute, that. (laughs) Uh, On Saturday the 22nd of April at 5pm at the Comedy Theatre. And Tom will also
1: be appearing in the first ever Live Bugle Ah! uh, next Sunday the 16th. Uh, David... I'm before, Plum away
3: Doing an Australian tour At the moment of my show Big time And then while I'm here In Melbourne I write children's books As well Though I may not sell many After this appearance <laughs> The book is called Danger is Everywhere I'm doing some kids shows too Yes well, I saw it yesterday
1: With my very starstruck kids <laughs> uh, My show is uh, 7.15 At the uh, Melbourne, Melbourne Town Hall With a bit at the end That nearly works <laughs> um, <laughs> The rest of it's going fine How did it go last night? It uh, it's nearly there Nearly Brilliant. Yeah, I'll finish it in just after I get home yeah. <laughs> thank you very much to the ABC for hosting us uh, in their studios and for uh, podcast fans which I assume you are if you're listening to this why not check out burn your passports with Nazim Hussein and the Tokyo hotel and the other ABC comedy podcasts thank you for listening buglers uh, until next time when I will be joined by Sammy Shaw and Alice Fraser goodbye